December 12, 2021. Let's continue in our series on hotels and halakha, and let's talk this morning about if you're in a circumstance, you're away, and you need to make havdalah on Motzei Shabbat, and you happen to have a glass of wine, a glass of grape juice, you might even have bisamim, some way of smelling an appropriate thing, making a beracha on it. We can discuss that separately. But specifically, I want to know, you don't have a candle, or you're not allowed to light a candle in your hotel room, what are you to do with regards to Havdalah? Now, first and foremost, it needs to be stated and made clear from the onset, Havdalah is not contingent upon the Ner, nor on the Bisamim. In other words, Havdalah is Bore Pri Hagefin and Berkata Mavdil, which of course is the last of those Berachot. That should be said, irrespective of whether you're going to be able to figure out a way to use a candle or to have the appropriate sense or anything else. That being the case, again, if we're to conclude in this class that you don't have, based on your circumstances, a method to get a candle or to get the appropriate lighting source, then you should not do it, but you should still do Havdalah. Skip that beracha. Skip that beracha. Straight up, skip that beracha. Furthermore, if you don't have it as you're able to say Havdalah and you later on find the appropriate light source, you make a Beracha then. They don't need to be done together. They don't need to be done in tandem. Well, that all being the case, let's take a giant step back or maybe forward because we haven't stepped at all. And uh, why is it that we make Beracha Boreme Oreha Esh on Mozai Shabbat? The Gemara, the Mishnah, and Masech Berachot has a mahlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Ilel about the proper and Dafnun Gimal about the the proper wording as a bore maor or bore meore. Clearly, this is a beracha that they were saying. Why were they saying it? The Gemara in Talmud Bavli never tells us why they were saying it. But the Gemara does say, it tells us a uh, story. The Gemara says that on the first Motzei Shabbat in existence, the Motzei Shabbat of Adam Harishon, he goes out on Saturday night without the creation yet of fire. It was never a God-given reality. Rather, he goes out, Natan HaKadosh Baruch Hu Adam, the second line here in the first source, Be'adam HaRishon Me'in Dugma Shel Ma'ala. He gets some sort of de'a with the paradigm, with the diagram of that of above. In other words, he's given almost a divine thought and perspective. Ve'hevi Shene Avanim takes two stones, two rocks, and he rubs them one against the other. So the first Saturday night is the creation or the discovery of fire. Rubbing two rocks together, say the rabbis, Adam HaRishon discovers fire. Based on that, Talmud Yerushalmi, in source number two, in Masech Berachot, Perek Het, Halacha Vav states, it's for this reason, says Shemuel, Lefichach, for that reason, Mevarechina al ha'esh, b'mosa'esh Shabbatot. That's why we make Borei Meorei ha'esh. I will add, although not specifically relevant to our issue, it's for that reason as well that you must, if you're going to make the Beracha Borei Meorei Ha'esh, say it on Saturday night. If you missed it, although you have make-up time for Havdalah, as we've discussed separately, there's no make-up time for Borei Meorei Ha'esh. It needs to be done on Saturday night. If you missed it, that's the time it was discovered. It's the time you're commemorating its discovery. That's the time and the only time to do it. Of you course... What's that? Later in the night, but not after the night of Motzei Shabbat. Until dawn. You go to a restaurant, you have two matches. Go to a restaurant, you have a match, you have a fire of some sort. I'll mention at, at this juncture as well, although not really the relevancy 
directly to our class, but important to mention, uh, how many, you said two, two matches. Why two matches? Where'd you come up with two matches? The halacha is that a single flame is sufficient. The Gemara Masechi Pesachim and Davkof Gimal states that mitzvah minam muhar, ideally you do it with what's called avuka. How do you define avuka? Avuka is a torch. What's a torch? Define for me a torch. So generally speaking, the way the Mefashim and the Poskim say is it's an intertwined uh, wicks, which means, say, there are two wicks which are intertwined. It's for that reason that sometimes you see people do funny things, like they'll take two matches and put them next to each other. But that's not intertwined. But it's not intertwined. So it's just as, just as good doing it with one. You're not even adding to the fire in such a circumstance. Even when you take two candles and put them next to each other, you're not really accomplishing it. It's only when they're intertwined with one another. Yes, so the poskim, the poskim, therefore debate whether a single wick, as we have it today, or maybe as we always had it, or a very long time, is already threaded together. Several thread, several, uh, several, uh, several threads that are put together, and as a result, that might be sufficient. There's for, furthermore a deba- debate about maybe it's a single wick, but it has some sort of gas fuel underneath, and as a result, it's very powerful. In other words, that's all important questions. For a separate conversation, but it's all discussions about of does mention it as but it's not the absolute necessity. It's not the bare necessity. In the, in the lobby, you see a fireplace, a fire, a fire, outdoor fireplace. No reason to distinguish over there. Could make the beracha, yeah. As a matter of fact, on Motzei, okay, another time. Anyway, that. What's that? Do you do the fingers thing? Do you do the as, fingers as you thing? Walk by, yes. I mean, you look them. a little bit funny, but yes, you would. Why do we do that uh, one way or another with the fingers? The answer is nobody really knows. Darke Moshe, right there in Siman Resh Hetzadik, uh, states that the minhag hapashut, the widespread minhag, is to not hold the hands out uh, just vertically, but rather to tilt them in a little bit, as many people do. Why do it one way as opposed to another? He states that he's not really certain. Why are you looking at your fingers at all? Well, we'll see that in the, Gema, in the Gemara in just a moment. What you're attempting to do and to demonstrate for yourself is that I'm benefiting from this light in some way or another. I'm not only seeing the flame, I'm also getting a benefit and I'm able to distinguish, therefore, between my cuticles or my nail and the skin that lies below. All right, well, that being the case, I bring us back to our particular issue. Our particular and specific issue is Havdalah without a candle. I don't have a candle. How could I or should I say Boreme Orehaesh? Or alternatively, should I not? In Mishpete Uziel, Shelot Tishbon, Mishpete Uziel, Helek Aleph, Ora Haim Simantet. Mishpete Uziel was written by Chambenzion Meir Hai Uziel. He was a former chief rabbi, not of Israel, it was of Palestine. I think he was until 1949, so into the time of Israel. He passed away, if I'm not mistaken, in 1953. An important Sephardic rabbi in 20th century. He makes the following bold claim. He says, well, now that we discussed from the Gemara, from Talmud Yerushalmi, that the reason for making on Saturday night is because of the creation of those flames... Again, in contrast to a Greek vision of it being stolen from the gods, God imbued us with that capability. He says, why should I distinguish between any type of flame over another? He says, there's no reason in his mind to distinguish between an electric flame and a gaslit flame or matches or anything or everything else. A flame is a flame, and as a result, if it's an electrical light bulb, he states quite unequivocally in the second paragraph, 
It says an electric bulb should work as well. Now we have to imagine that he's referring to, although he doesn't say it explicitly, an incandescent bulb. He's not talking about a fluorescent bulb. He's not talking about an LED bulb, as we discussed in our class on Hadlakat Nerot, on Erev Shabbat. But in that context, you might recall, we did talk about circumstantially the permissibility of using bulbs for, even with a Beracha Hadlakat Nerot. Listen to the class and get the details down appropriately. But it's not so far a stretch, it would seem at first glance, as Haham, uh, as Rabbi Uziel argues, uh, to state that that would apply as well to Havdalah. It says, It's true that the electrical current was there throughout, but we're not, he's talking specifically in the context of Yom Kippur, he argues it would even be permitted on Yom Kippur, it would be considered a Ner Shavat. Question? Yeah, so he's saying that the light should be off, then you say, you turn on the lights and then look at the ceiling, or the lights are on the whole time, and now in the middle you just think or declare it to be your light. He doesn't distinguish. He argues that... It, I mean, on Yom Kippur, you'll have a distinction. On Shabbat, you, you need not have that distinction. It could be the yeah. same one that you lit Friday night, technically. Yeah. That you yeah. left on. You're not actively doing anything. Correct, correct. You'll only have a question, but it'll even work for your purposes of Anersha Shavat, specifically on Yom Kippur. You wanted that light which was lit throughout. Specifically, you want that on Kippur. But anyway, that being the case, that is a permitting voice. Furthermore, Hacham Vadia Yosef in several places, in Shelot, Shubhati Havidat, Halek Bet, in Siman Lametet, he writes about this in his Yabiya Omer, in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Halek Bet as well. And he later wrote about it in his Hazon Vadia, which we'll cite at the very end of this class. He cites that there was, once upon a time, a widespread practice, as reported by many, to use specifically electric light bulbs on Motzei Shabbat for Havdalah. Why would you specifically do so? He quotes it in the name of Reb Chaim Brisker, that's Reb Chaim Salvechik. He quotes it in the name of Reb Chaim Moser Gridzinski. Uh, he was one of the great, he was the Dayan of Vilna. He quotes it from several other important Ashkenazic authorities that they were adamant this was the way they did it. If I'm not mistaken, it's quoted in the name of the Ragachavar, of Yosef Rosen as well. Each of these would be, according to uh, lore, makpid to do specifically boreme orehaesh on a light bulb. Why were they makpid? Of course, the reason is quite simple and, and transparent. It's during a time during which uh, it's a, during a time at which uh, electricity is new. And people are uncertain, is electricity permitted on Shabbat or not? As a way of making clear to others, electricity is not permitted on Shabbat. They pointed to it and they said, this is ish. Don't think this is something that's permitted. This is ish. And as a result, they were makpid. That need not have relevancy to us in the same way. They almost saw it as a hidur to teach others. Today, I think every religious and observant Jew is well aware that electricity is forbidden on Shabbat. But, nonetheless, the fact that they were willing to make that beracha, the fact that they were willing to use it, does already tell us that in their mind it's permitted. Maybe it was a hidur for them, maybe it would be a bdi'avad for us. Even Kham uh, Ben Sion Meir Hayuziel, at the end of his Teshubah states, he says, Kabbalistically, in the name of the Arizal, it's uh, particularly a mitzvah minam of har, 
to use a uh, to use a candle that has uh, that has sha'ava, what's that called wax on it and so even he who says yeah you can do it with electricity doesn't say that's mitzvah and amuvhar he says to do it with with wax uh, uh, is better and they might follow as well and today they might follow for other reasons which we'll discuss to stay that Arizal is coming from Kabbalah. That's what Mishpateuziel says, even though in Lanu'isik Banistarot, he says maybe even in Nigla we can make this argument as well. He says ideally use a, use a wax uh, um, candle, as if need be use an electric one, and make a beracha. Again, many of Hachme Ashkenaz, as Hacham Vadya is reporting, would use electric bulbs, which teaches us at the very least that it's permitted. They're not stating it as an ideal. Does everyone agree to this? Is it permitted? If you're in that circumstance, we're back to our situation. It appears as if you were to wake any of those up from the grave and ask them, am I allowed to today, in today's day and age, I have an old school light bulb, an incandescent bulb, can I put that on? Can I look at it and say, it sounds like uh, the, the overwhelming majority at this point, or everyone we've read, would say yes. Here's where it gets interesting. The overwhelming majority says no. Although there was a loud voice permitting, the overwhelming majority of the poskim, uh, both of today and of yesteryear, say that not only is it not ideal, but it's not permitted at all. For example, in source number five, Rabbi Tzvi Pesach Frank, Rabbi Tzvi Pesach Frank dies a little bit later than Mishpateh Uziel, if I'm not mistaken, he passed away in 1960. He was the rabbi of Yerushalayim. Hacham Vadya Yosef actually shared a very close relationship with him. Here in his Har Sevim, Chilek Bet, Or Haim Siman Kofyo Daled, he writes about this in his book, Mikra'e Kodesh, as well on Hanukkah. He writes, Umehai Ta'ama, he says, although electricity is prohibited, he says, I can't call that a, a, a fire which is lighting up. He distinguishes. He says, on the one hand, it's prohibited on Shabbat, but ultimately speaking, it's prohibited as... Heated up metals. Heated up metals, prohibited on Shabbat. Is it actually an Esh HaMeir? He seems to be leading us backward to the history of this matter, that it actually has to be a fire in the most organic and pure sense. He says it's not that, and as a result, he prohibits. Now, this question does come up not only in Hilchot Shabbat, it comes up on Hanukkah as well. We've done classes on that in the past. You can search that up and listen to that class and understand the ramifications in that context. This sort of issue thus far would be relevant to Hanukkah. Is it considered fire or not? Is it considered a wick or not? That would all be relevant to Hanukkah. The particular issue which is going to take us off the tracks and make it clear to us that we perhaps shouldn't be permitting electrical lights for Havdalah is going to be a unique one to Havdalah, not to Hadlakat Nerot on Erev Shabbat, neither to Hadlakat Nerot on Hanukkah, it's going to be a Havdalah halacha. But at this juncture, there's already a claim that, even from an electric standpoint, to claim that that's considered a regular flame, an Esh HaMeir, as opposed to Matachot Mechumam, a heated up metal, says Rabbi Tzvi Pesach Frank, I will not do so. Similarly, along the same lines, in a greater depth, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Arbach, who of course lives later, he passed away in 1995, if I'm not mistaken, one of Hachmei Yerushalayim, not the chief rabbi, but rather a Rosh Yeshiva and Yeshivat Kol Torah, in his book Me'ore, ha- Me'ore Esh. Me'ore Esh is his book, which 
Yeah, the name is very appropriate. Anytime you have questions about halacha with regards to electricity on Shabbat, this is the book. He wrote an entire book today. It's two on electricity on Shabbat. The history is a fascinating one, if I'm not mistaken. If I remember correctly, his mother was about losing her ability to hear. So he had to look into this matter with regards to hearing aids on Shabbat. Once he got into it, he got so enveloped and so engrossed in it, he became one of the experts on electricity and halacha. In his book, Me'oreh Esh, here in Perek He, Anaf Aleph, he says he cannot or he's not he's not uh, comfortable permitting saying the Beracha, Beracha Levatala in his eyes, Bore Me'oreh Esh, on an electric light bulb. He says, generally speaking, we break up Generally, there are different opinions as we've discussed in the past. We break up the concept of electricity into two tracks. Either, it's as he writes over here, either for to follow the opinion of Ra'avad, it's Melechet Mevashel. It's you're heating something up and almost cooking those metals. He says that's not going to be considered a flame. That's not a flame of ish. They get hot. And as a result, he's, as a result, he's arguing that it's Mevashel, a halogen bulb. And well, that be okay. He says. It, so, so that that if you go with Ra'avad, it's hard to argue that this is a, that this is a flame. It might be hot. Is maybe I'll go with Harambam. And according to his understanding, from the traditional understanding, is Harambam would translate our electricity into Melechet Hava'ara, which means burning. What, what's that? He didn't have electricity. It's based on his under, uh, based on the way he his terminology of what Melechet Hava'ara is, based on their dispute, how we would translate it into today's ter- uh, those concepts, uh, the applications of it. But generally speaking, we apply Harambam and we say that's Melechet Hava'ara today. That's how it would be fulfilled in the eyes of Harambam. If he were to be living today, he'd say that's Hava'ara. Says, uh, says Rabbi Shalom Zaman Arbach. He says, well, if that's the case, well, then maybe it could be used for a can. He says, but even there you have to distinguish he says, because there's a difference between Hav'ara, which leads to Kibui naturally, and Hav'ara, which just continues flickering onward. In other words, when I'm dealing with Ish, when I'm determining what's a flame, a candle, a torch, it's something that goes out, it's something that causes diminishment. So electricity is just not so. Electricity will keep going. It's true, the light bulb will ultimately burn out, but it takes a really long time. We don't envision in the same way that we do uh, when I think about a flame, and as a result, he's not comfortable. He quote, states, states quite unequivocally that you could not and should not say on an electric flame. Well, if we were to stop over here, you'd say it's a mahlokat poskim. You have two Ashkenazic poskim on one side, you have a whole slew of Ashkenazic poskim on the other side, together with a Sephardic one, Mishpete Uziel, taking a bold stance on this matter, and we're not fully certain. We might say, I'm not fully certain, but maybe it's I'm in a circle. Circumstance, maybe there's a minhag attached to this. If it were just this, it wouldn't be sufficient to prove or to make a cogent argument as to our question of you're caught in a situation Havdalah without a candle. You need to go one step further in terms of the specific description of the hachamim as to what this ner, what this meoreha ish is really all about. The Gemara Masechi Berachot here in source number seven brings us in that direction. says the Gemara is asking a question. The specific context, specific, is not our relevant issue. It's the question. Metiveh, aside from a beraita. Hayeta lo, if a person has ner timuna beheko, don't know how you would hide a, a, a candle in your, you know, under your armpit of some sort without burning yourself, but you have it over there. Or be panas. 
in today's day and age, we call a panas a uh, flashlight, if I'm not mistaken. Says Rashi, what's a panas? Ashashit. What is ashashit? Ashashit, we saw in the Gemara Masechet Rosh Hashanah just this past week, but Rashi tells you earlier on Daf Kafhem Mudbet exactly what an ashashit is. Look at source number nine for a moment and look a few words onto the line where it says Rashi. You see, after the word Ashashit says Rashi, anyone see it? Lantirna. Lantirna, can you figure that one out? Lantern. So it means that what we're dealing with over here, Panas, according to Rashi, is a lantern. Would a lantern be in its physical structure similar to our light bulbs today? Well, it certainly would. It means I have some sort of glass covering of a flame inside. So even if I'm to argue that the internal flame or flickering or light source is considered a candle, I'm at best going to be dealing with an ashashit, a lantern. Is a lantern permitted for Habdallah or not? Or alternatively, or several cases here in the in Masech Berachot, you saw the flame, but you weren't close enough to be able to use it. You are really close, but you can't actually see the flame because it's covered and you're just getting the reflections of some sort. You can't make the beracha ad until you see until you actually see the flame and you use it or have the capability to use it. Which means to say, if we read the Gemara according to Rashi's interpretation, light bulbs are a major problem with regards to Borei Meorei Why? Because it's not direct. Because it's covered. That's that's the takeaway from this Rashi. Ritva, go ahead. Would you distinguish, and, and no simple answer to this question, I gotcha, was a lantern frosted per se? Hard to argue, you know what I'm saying? So as a result, if Rashi is telling you the interpretation over there is lantern, and he's not distinguishing, unless he knows that lantern means only frosted ones, so you'd imagine that it's not direct enough. Hard to understand exactly why we need it to be direct, but that's what seems to be the case. Ritva, as well as Rashba, and uh, two of the great Hakme Sefarad disagree with Rashi's interpretation to the Gemara. They have a panas being something altogether different, and they prove it, or they point out as a proof for themselves, the Gemara in source number 9, The Gemara over there is talking about an altogether different law, but listen to the law. The Gemara over there is distinguishing between if you have some sort of lantern, an ashashit, which has something inside of it, or it's on top of something. So one of two options, each one more jarring than the next. The first one is there's some excrement within one. That's what we call so'ah. You're certainly not allowed to pray if uh, there's a baby's diaper in front of you. What if the baby's diaper is inside a lantern or is covered by glass? What's the halakha? Says the Gemara, if it's covered by glass, it's permitted. Why is it permitted? Because the sivui, the isur in the Torah of not having excrement of so'ah next to you in the context of Kedushah is that it be covered. It is covered when it's got a lantern on top of it. Alternatively, says the Gemara, what if there's erva covered by ashashit? What about if there's irva? Irva is nakedness. There's some exposed body part which is covered. There's a woman, there's a man who are exposing themselves, but they're covered by, says the Gemara, glass. Is that permitted to pray in such a circumstance? Says the Gemara, you're not allowed to. Not allowed to? Why not? It's covered. Says the Gemara, the Torah tells us over there, the key thing is, you're not allowed to see the irva. It is seen. 
Wait a second, says Ritvan Rashba. Needs to be seen what's Bore Meore Hayesh all about. You're looking at it and you're seeing it. If the Gemara is telling me that a lantern is perceptible, it's something that I can see. Well, then why would I distinguish between Irva, which is prohibited because you can see it, and a flame, which is prohibited because you can't see it? You could see it. Maybe if it's frosted, we'd distinguish. Maybe if it's got some sort of casing. But that's not what we're dealing with, is it? If Ashashit was a problem over there because you could see it, then it should be permitted over here because you could see it. Bet Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, in his commentary to Tur and Siman, Resh Sadi. Why do we say Resh Sadi instead of Resh Sadi We'd rather not talk about murdering and instead talk about cleaning one and cleaning ourselves. In Siman Resh Het Sadi, he cites from Talmud Yerushalmi. Talmud Yerushalmi, well, listen to the words in Talmud Yerushalmi. Ner betoch heko. So far, the words of our Gemara, you stuck it into like your armpit area, it's covered. Or betoch panas, or it's covered by, we don't know what a panas is. Rashi told us it means a lantern. Ritva and Rashba said, no, it means something that's covering it more. They prove it from the Gemara and Daf Cafe. But the next words in Yerushalmi, O betoch spaklaria. Spaklaria seems to be a derivative of when we talk about nivuah, when we talk about prophecy, we distinguish between the nivuah of Moshe and the nivuah of others. We could talk nivuah of Moshe being an aspaklaria ha'meira, and that of others, aspaklaria she'ina meira. It's not an Aramaic word. It must be like a Latin word of some sort. What is aspaklaria? Aspaklaria, I think it's from like speculative. It's to see something. It's to think about well, that being the case, it's talking about a vision of some sort. The understanding of the word spaklaria is it's referring to a lantern. Talmud Yerushalmi adds another thing to our list. Whereas Rashi said a panas is an ashashid, is the lantern. Talmud Yerushalmi says, forget about that. We'll add another one to the list. So panas might be something like Rashban Ritva said. It's more covered. It's got a metal casing of some sort. It's a lantern. It's got a metal. But this next one, spaklaria, is something I can see. It's a vision. It's like a prophecy. You can see something. Something. Well, that being the case, it's almost explicit, almost, because it's another way of reading Talmud Yerushalmi, that it's a problem when it comes to Boreh Meoreh Hayesh. What about the other day, wearing glasses? Yes. It's almost like the same thing. It's Indeed it is. Interestingly, in almost all of these tissue bots, not all of them, almost all these tissue bots, as I, as I said in the class, uh, they raise the issue of glasses, because once you're telling me that it's potentially a problem, if we're going to end the class that it's a problem, then why are glasses any different? So the answer goes like this. Uh, it's a little loose and we'd have to develop it more. But the answer that is always given is as follows by the post scheme is that over here, the flame itself is obstructed as opposed to the glasses are not an obstruction per se of the flame. The glasses are on my face. So you might say, but they're obstructed for you, but they're aiding your sight. The specific issue is the flame. We want an unadulterated flame. That's the way they generally speaking address that issue. I'll, I'll not prove it, but I'll develop that point for you in just a moment. Okay, so Beit Yosef begins. Let's just catch ourselves up to date very briefly. We thus far talked about a dispute. Is, well, we know electricity on Shabbat is prohibited. As a result, we talked about the opportunity in a separate class of, under circumstance, lighting a, a, a bulb, the appropriate bulb, and making barachav ladikneh shel Shabbat. What about when it comes to havdalah? That was our issue. Many of the poskim say, why should we distinguish? Other poskim say, not so fast. 
We should distinguish. It's not an ish. It's not a shalhevet. It's not an avuka in the traditional sense. It's something else over here. It's heated up metal. It's mevashel. It's not shelkilui. It's not uh, diminished. And we're not certain about that. But now I said to you in the next segment of the class, even if it's mamasha flame, even if it's a lantern with a flame in it in the most traditional havara sense, an absolute avuka right there. You got 25 wicks inside of it and they're all intertwined with one another. A beautiful flame, but it's covered by a, a, a glass encasing. Is that okay? Rashi in his commentary to the Gemaran, Masech Berachon, Dafnun Gimel seem to say it's not. Ritva and Rashbad disagree. There's another no, no, Gemara I was talking about when it's encased with, I don't know, something else, metal. You you don't directly see it. You don't have clear vision of the Shalhevet. Talmud Yerushalmi, which Bet Yosef quoted, seems to bring us to the commentary of Rashi. In fact, Bet Yosef goes on and he quotes from Rashba and he says, Rashba, how do you dispute, how do you disagree with Talmud Yerushalmi? The punchline from Bet Yosef seems to be, the simple reading is, Talmud Yerushalmi settles this matter for us and that is that unless it's an unobstructed vision of the Shalhevet, of the flame, of the candle, you cannot say in Siman Resh Het Sadi Saif Tetzav Ish addresses this matter, but it doesn't really help us. Ner betoch heko, or betoch panas, or betoch aspaklaria. There it is. He adds to the list that third situation. So it's not just panas, explain it accordingly, but rather he adds aspaklaria, which is what Talmud Yerushalmi mentioned to us as well, which Bet Yosef seemed to take as the definition of an ashashit, a lantern. Each of those are problematic when it comes to Borei Meore Aesh. Mishnah Berura, we're expecting his conclusion. The beginning is a little bit surprising. Mishnah Berura, here in source number 12, in Saif Katan Lamedzayin, there in Siman Resh Het Sadi, makes the the following conclusion. He says, listen, Talmud Yerushalmi, simple interpretation of uh, Bet Yosef, the simple interpretation Tarashi, I would ward you away from using a um, a lantern for Havdalah, for Boreme Oreha Ish. However, he begins by citing from Magen Abraham, and he says several other Aharonim. As a matter of fact, Piri Megadim himself, one of the great Aharonim on Shohan Aruch, believes this is the opinion of Bet Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, in his commentary to Tur, that a lantern is permitted. How could you argue so? Well, it's a clever reading of Talmud Yerushalmi. It means that Talmud Yerushalmi is not stating that as long as you have a lantern, it's problematic. You have to read it with its next words. It's a problem if you don't see the flame. In other words, if you have an obstructed view, even though it's in a lantern and you're able to see through it, but an obstructed view of it, then it's problematic, but not under all circumstances. Which means to say, Bet Yosef, Mishnah Bura says, we're not fully certain about this. I told you we saw Bet Yosef, we saw Talmud Yerushalmi, we thought we were getting very clear about this. Wait a second, says, says Mishnah Bura himself. This, of course, being the Hafez Chaim, right? Rabbi Yisrael, Meir HaKohen, Avradin. He asked in his Be'ur Halacha, I, don't, I just don't understand the whole premise. And, and this is really the question that should be begging each of us, we sh- each of us should be begging, and that is... I'm just not fully certain. You told me I need to make a blessing on Saturday night on a fire. There's a fire here. Forget about electricity. There's a fire in this lantern because electricity is a separate issue. Assuming electricity is okay because I'm using it for Nero Shabbat. Maybe it's okay over there. Why should a lantern pose a problem? 
And so I bring it back to that Gemara Masech Berachot. Remember the Gemara Masech Berachot about the nakedness on Daf Cafe that's covered? Why should that be any different? We never really answered that question. Moreover, if that is the way I see it, and I'm using this for Hadlakat Neirot Shabbat at the beginning, why when it comes to Saturday night, is there a new qualification? It can't just use that type of candle. It needs to be this type of candle. In other words, those questions are what need to be begging, we need to be begging answers to throughout this conversation because all of a sudden everyone is much more particular. Now, they're more particular because traditionally that's the direction we've gone. Says Be'ur HaLacha, why are we going in that direction? Why is everyone cutting this structure so tightly and narrowly and stating to us, you can't use it unless it's actually unobstructed and it's not in a lantern and it's a pure flame. Why? Why? Says Be'ur Halakha. I wonder if the reason is because of the beginning, the history of it. Says the history, the beginning of it is that Adam Harishon on Motzei Shabbat takes those two stones and he Where rubs them next to each other. It's a midrash. That's it. The Chachamim stated to us. Now, that being the case, if that's the whole reason I'm doing it on Motzei Shabbat, and the, the oh, yeah, argument is I need to do it as close as possible. Does that mean it's not okay? Says Mishnah Burah. If others are using lanterns, we'll translate it further. If others are using electricity, you can allow them to do so. We would not advise doing so. That's Mishnah. Uh, could you say amen to them if they're doing so? That's right. You're not going to imagine it's an objective biracha levatala. They're doing so, you can say amen to it, but you're not fulfilling it on your own. That's Mishnah Burah's claim in halacha on this matter. Benish Hai here in Shana Shinian, Parashat Vayese, Ot Yodalit states, Hayahaner betocha keli shekorin, I don't know, panar. I'm not, not really certain. It's a, it's a Ladino word. What does it mean? Kisui laner mi That's what we call a lantern. Vafilo betoch keli zechuchit. It's mamash in a glass covering. En mevarechin alav ad shire gufa shalhevet mamash beli hefsek. Again, what's the reason? Because of the history, because of what we are reenacting and thinking about on Motzei Shabbat. And that is Adam Harishon. I'll pause for a moment before we conclude and just give a quick perspective. I know it's not a philosophy class, but a quick perspective. If the whole halakha, ultimately speaking, is emanating from that Gemara, we may as well understand what the reference to this Midrash, in this Midrash, is really all about. I've always wondered that it's the following. In the Torah, we see fire as being associated with God's sublime manifestation in this world. I'll translate those words into English. We find that God appears on the scene, not only in clouds, but in fire, very often. At Har Sinai, it's Esh Ochelet. It's that, that consuming fire at the top of the mountain. What's that? Moshe Rabbeinu seems to go into that fire. There's fire which is leading us through the desert. There's fire which consumes Nadav and Avihu, which is said, the Esh Milifne Hashem. God is oftentimes, if not always, associated with some sort of fire fire connection. It is the words of the Navi, My words are like fire. According to the Midrash, it's Gemara Masechet Shekalim, Ramban Nachmani quotes it in his introduction to the Torah. The Torah is written, Esh Shehora Al Gabeh, Esh Levana, you envision the text of a parchment as fire with fire on top of it. Fire, quote unquote, is godly. 
Well, that being the case, what does it have to do with me and you? Well, says God at the beginning of Parashat Shabbat. You shouldn't kindle a fire on Shabbat. What, me and a fire? It's your thing, God. What God seems to be, what the Torah seems to be saying to us in that context is, it's true, fire is godly. But generally speaking, I allow for you to touch that as well. I allow for you to do that. I want you to do that. It's the Gemara in Masechet Sotah. You want v'halachta bidrachav, go in the ways of God? Says the Gemara, how are you going to go in the ways of God? He's ish. That's the word of the Gemara. Says the Gemara, act like him. Ahu rahum afata rahum. Bury the people who passed away and don't have someone to bury them. Go visit people who are sick and people and so forth. That's, that's, that's what it means to act and and hold on to the torch of fire and to create the fire. When the Gemara tells us that the very first fire, contrary to the Greek uh, um, uh, myth, which which claims that was stolen from the gods, but it was rather created by human beings because God imbued us with what God is stating to us is when you act throughout your life, certainly throughout the week, you're acting in a divine fashion. You're partnering with him. We've talked about this on, on several occasions, but that's what the fire of Motzei Shabbat is all about. So on Shabbat, I paused. And I observed God's world, and I didn't manipulate it, and I didn't touch it. On Motzei Shabbat, now you're playing partner with God. You're kindling the fire, which he, generally speaking, is the embodiment of. That being the case, there's a there's a major significance to this fire, and as a result, say the post game, the significance is to the extent that it's a real, unadulterated, pristine, authentic fire, and therefore, if it's obstructed by an ashashit, by the lantern, it's a problem. Yes, we could make the counter-argument, Ritvan Rashbad did, yes, we can make the argument that some post game were permitting of the electric light bulbs, but ultimately speaking, adding all of these factors together, even with Magen Avraham's claim that we're misreading Talmud Yerushalmi, says Hacham Ovadia Yosef, and the vast majority of Minyan Ubinyan Shela Poskim Bismanen on source number 15, Hazon Ovadia, on Hilchot Shabbat, Helek Bet, on page Taf Lamed Vav, En Mevarechim Bore Meore Haesh. Al or hashmal, he says, you should not and may not make the bracha bore meore ha'esh on an electric bulb, even if it's a halogen bulb and it can that does not matter. You cannot and may not make the bracha bore meore ha'esh on that bulb. What? Where does that leave us? I'm staying at the hotel and I don't have a flame. So again, it leaves us the way we began. I know it was somewhat theoretical at the beginning. What's that? The bar, the bar always adventures. There you go. And says says that, our hotel uh, expert. Yeah, go to the bar. For the, at the bar for the drinks. Use that the best on you. Fantastic. We solved a lot here. Let me repeat that so everyone hears. Uh, if you're at a hotel. You make your way to the bar, but just for Devar Mitzvah, and you ask for a match. You light the match and you make You fulfilled it with that. Just for the Baracha. No. Yeah, you separate it from Havdalah. You don't need to no, be standing. Don't be standing there saying Havdalah, please. No, you can furthermore. He's, I think he's asking, do you light the match the whole, the whole time from beginning to end, or just for the beracha? Just for the beracha, chala. Say the havdalah in your room. Come down, make borei meorei ha'esh at the bar. The, the, you're using the 
match. You can do it in the moment. You can do it in the moment. You brought the match and blow it out. Yes, absolutely, assuming it's permitted by the hotel. Furthermore, if you don't have perfume, which is permitted, the types that are permitted for Havdalah, or you don't have anything to for, for Bissamim, what you can do, says Charles as well, go down to the bar. Rosemary or mint. They'll have it at the bar as well. So those are the ways to solve this, not with an electric light bulb. Again, the reason, as we're stating, let's state it as clearly as we can in just a few sentences, is A, electricity might not be sufficient to be considered ish to begin with, even if, so to speak, you didn't have a bulb on top of it, you just see the inside of the bulb, of course, not something that's possible, but it's still not considered ish according to some poskim. And then the vast majority of poskim who even might accept that it is a ish state that it's ashashit, and ashashit, according to their understanding, is prohibited from Talmud Yerushalmi, from Rashi, from Ravya, from, from Orchot from many of them, from Bet Yosef, maybe from Shohan Aruch. And as a result, if you're in that circumstance, don't make Borei Meohrei If you hear others doing it, Hanach Lahem, as we said, Yesh Lahem Al Mishi Yismochu, but the proper approach to this matter, at least according to my understanding, following that of Hacham Vadya Yosef's Pesach Halachai, is that En Levarech, you should not say Borei Meohrei Ha'esh, on Nir Alektri, on an electric candle. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen Amen.